How is everyone doing tonight? Oh, got a great. Awesome. Awesome. So, if you don't know me, my name is Cam, as evidenced by my name tag. Um, I am a pastor here, as also evidenced by my name tag at KCC. Um, I am the youth and young adults pastor here, and uh, I have the honor and the privilege of speaking with you all this evening. Woo. And uh, I will have you know, I was also at the Turkey Bowl this morning, <laughs> and I was part of the winning team because I'm one of the young people. <laughs> That's right. You care about our team. Yeah. I'm losing my hair voluntarily, I'll have you know, which is why I'm still one of the young people. And I just broke my name tag. Um, and uh, my body says that I'm not one of the young people anymore because my hip hurts, my back hurts, my ankle hurts, but that's okay. I'm still going to try and move around as much as possible. Also, it's an excuse for me to stay as motionless as possible this evening. So I'll do my best. We are actually entering a new series this Christmas that's going to take us through the entirety of December. And the focus is going to be on finding our joy in God. All right, so this evening we have joy in God's promise. Uh, into week two, joy in God's power, in God's presence, in God's grace. And then finally, in searching for God. And as we go through this series, our hope and our prayer is that Two things come from it. The first is that we all grow to know, know God more deeply and intimately yeah. through his word. And from that, we hope that we all begin to place our joy fully in him. All right. So if you would all pray with me, please. Lord, thank you so much for these opportunities that we get to meet as a community, come together in a building, Lord, and that we have that, that freedom to just worship you, God. Uh, we ask that you would be with all of those that have to meet in secret, Lord, um, and those who don't yet know you, God. So be with us this evening. Open our ears and soften our hearts, God, and let us prepare ourselves for you. And we pray, amen. amen. So to start things off, I'm going to invite up one of our youths here at KCC. Uh, so if he could come up and join me now, I'm going to grab him a microphone. If you could introduce yourself, please. Uh, good evening. My name is Kyle Sleeper, and I am Pastor Danny's son. <laughs> Woo! All right. And Kyle has graciously decided that he's going to preach tonight. So take it away, Kyle. All right, everybody. <laughs> Let's get started. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I didn't think he would do that, but now I look like a fool. All right, here we go. <laughs> so we're talking about promises tonight, right? God's promise. We've all made promises in our lives. Some of us have broken promises. I'd say all of us have broken promises. Um, and the point of a promise is us making an assurance to someone else that we're going to do something at a future date. Promises do a couple things. One, uh, I read an article. It was in a science magazine, so it's probably the real deal. 
um, that says that when we make a promise to someone, it releases dopamine in our brains. Um, it makes us feel more confident about ourselves when we actually follow through with that promise. We feel better about ourselves. And the person that we make the promise to also gets a release of dopamine in their brain because they feel like they can trust somebody and rely on somebody. So that's interesting. So, Kyle, I made a promise to you not too long ago. What was that promise? Uh, to give me a million dollars. Expected in a week. <laughs> Blowing it way out of proportion. I invited the wrong person on stage with me. Um, <laughs> I promised Kyle that if he just showed up to receive a gift, he would get one. What do you think it is? Not a million dollars. What do you think it is? According to your uh, payments for me after being a servant, <laughs> looking at your wallet, I think it's nothing. <laughs> you got to look at my wife's wallet. <laughs> um, do you think it's possibly the keys to my sweet, sweet, classic 1983 Chevy El Camino? I think so, because I see a leather jacket, too. It's like, yeah, it's nice. I do have a leather jacket. I'm kind of a cool guy. Um, jealous but sometimes. no, it's not. Uh, that's my, my pride and joy. Um, well, next to my wife. Yep, whoops. Uh, let's cut that out. Can we cut that? You broke a promise. <laughs> so what we're going to do is you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer, and then you will find out what the gift is. Isn't part of the promise. No, sir, just everyone give Kyle a hand. <laughs> He's drawing this out. He's causing me trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go into the book of Isaiah. And if you're thinking to yourself, Cameron, this is the Christmas story. I want to hear about baby Jesus. I want to go into the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I want to hear the gospel. You would be right. This is about baby Jesus. However, if you bear with me, I want to assure you that God has had a plan since the very beginning to give us a wonderful gift. And here in Isaiah 9, which is well over 700 years before the birth of Christ, we're going to encounter God's promise. So let's get into the word and let's see if Jesus really is this Messiah that we see in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. I'm reading from the ESV. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So what we're going to do is we're mainly going to focus on verse 7. We're going to pick apart these names that are used for this son to be born, this child. And we're actually going to hopefully show that Jesus is, in fact, this Messiah that's to be born. So we'll start off with the first one. Wonderful counselor. The term wonderful um, is in reference to the character of an individual. 
right? We often use this term to describe things that aren't quite wonderful. Uh, we typically use words in the English language uh, out of their context. I am a huge, huge uh, uh, problem child of this. I use words that have really deep meanings, and I use them really loosely. For example, I use the term wonderful to describe my classic, sweet, 1983 Chevy El Camino. And I assure you, no one has ever been filled with wonder when they saw my Chevy El Camino. <laughs> and I think the last time someone was filled with wonder was Pastor Brian, and he's wondered why I haven't sold it yet. Because I think it's caused him more problems than it has me. So, <laughs> the word wonderful here in the Hebrew literally means incomprehensible. It cannot be comprehended. It's saying that the Messiah will be so wonderful that we cannot comprehend him. Jesus also demonstrates his wonder throughout Scripture. All right. The first one, which is literally the first one, is virgin conception and virgin birth. And if that doesn't fill you with wonder, you probably want to stop listening now because <laughs> it's probably just going to bore you. Uh, the second things are healings. Jesus did a plethora of healings throughout Scripture, caused the lame to walk, the blind to see. Um, he healed a leper, right? Uh, he brought someone back from the dead. That's crazy. It's insane. Um, and not only on top of that, but there's a retribution principle within Jewish culture. They believe that people who were sick, it's caused by the sin of somebody else in the past. So they were outcasts of their community, outcasts of their culture, outcasts of their societies. So through these healings, Jesus is not just healing their physical body. This is a holistic healing. He's allowing them to be part of their communities again, right? So there's more than just physical healing going on here. And thirdly, the teachings of Christ. Jesus' teachings were counterintuitive to their time and culture, yeah. as well as ours. In Matthew 5.11, Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad in persecution. Luke 6.27 says, Love your enemies. If I love my enemies, they won't be my enemies anymore, right? <laughs> then who am I going to fight? <laughs> All right? Blessed are those who mourn, Matthew 5.4. This is the kind of things that Jesus does. He consistently makes us reconsider the things that we believe to be true, right? Um, Jesus himself was and is wonderful. And then there's this idea of a counselor. Back in Israel, a king was typically a counselor. Um, he provided guidance to his people. Jesus is a wise counselor in a way that no human, oh, thank you, a little bit of dry mouth up there. It was in a, a, a counselor in a way that no human could ever be counselor. It says in John 2.25, he did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. In Philippians 4.6, Paul urges everyone to bring their problems and prayers to Christ. Christ's love for us is so deep and it's so wide that it literally can't be fathomed. 
it will literally leave you full of wonder. Now, mighty God. There's no clearer claim to the Messiah being God than this right here. His name shall be called Mighty God. The fact is, the baby born to Mary on the day that we celebrate his Christmas is God. The Christmas story is literally about God coming down as man being born to pay the price for our sins. And this is what the angel told Joseph and Matthew. You're getting some New Testament. You're welcome. Uh, You will call him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And there's other places in the Bible where Jesus is equated to God. In John 10, 30, it says, Jesus walked into the temple and the Jews surrounded him. They asked, are you the Messiah or the Christ? Jesus said, the works I do in the Father's name, they bear witness to me. Then Jesus said, you're supposed to be part of my family, but you don't even know me. He also said, my father and I are together. And then, in Jesus' fashion, he said something the Jews wouldn't like. I am the father of one. And they lifted him up on his shoulders and celebrated them. No! They picked up stones to kill him because he was claiming to be God, right? And in John 14, 5 through 7, as Jesus gets done washing his disciples' feet, he tells Peter he's going to deny him three times. He says he's going to be leaving soon. Thomas gets really confused, and he says, where are you going? Um, Jesus says that he is the only way to the Father. He also said that because of him, they know God because they've seen him. These two verses alone are perfect examples that even Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was God. Everlasting Father. This Messiah will be everlasting. He will be forever. Everlasting, the idea of eternity, can be difficult to wrap our minds around. I know it is for me. We're typically uh, prone to wanting to see things begin and end. We have 24-hour clock before a new day starts. We have month-long calendars. We have a new year. Um, Our lives begin on when we're born. They end when we die. We're finite beings. That's just how things go. So eternity can seem uncomfortable. It can seem weird. So to think that something has always been and will always be can be difficult to accept. Um, And I'm here to say that's okay. It's okay to be in a place where you're uncomfortable with that. Um, Those are called inevitable tensions. There are things that we can find about God that we as humans, as people, aren't going to fully grasp. That's why he's God. If we fully understood everything there was to know about God, he would cease to be God. So, um, to call Jesus means everlasting, means that he will always be. And what's extremely, and I don't use that word loosely, exciting about God being our, about being everlasting, is this means that one day we can live forever with him if we have accepted his death, burial, 
and resurrection into our own lives. There is hope in Jesus being everlasting. Hope that we will eternally continue our relationship with him. Hope that we will live forever with him. So let's look at Jesus as our everlasting father. You may be asking me. I'm going to put a lot of words into your guys' mouths tonight. Just so you, know. <laughs> you may be asking me, but Cameron, isn't he the son? Why is he the father? Well, let me tell you. Some scholars would rather translate father of eternity into ever, or everlasting father into father of eternity. Um, and there's a reason for that. Because in the Hebrew, father of eternity is a way of saying that Jesus is the possessor or author of eternity. Likewise, by Jesus being both fully God and fully man, he has perfectly revealed God the Father to us. All right. Now we're at Prince of Peace. I will say this is my favorite one. I don't know if I'm allowed to have a favorite. I'll probably find out if I'm here on Sunday, if that's allowed. But a prince, right? Traditionally, a prince is the son of a king or someone who takes the place of a king in his absence. Yes. So Jesus as prince. Jesus is referred to as prince because he's the son of God. And if God is king, Jesus is prince. If the father is king, then Jesus is prince. And in Luke 131 and 32, the angel Gabriel tells Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Messiah being called prince has everything to do with the sonship to the father. After three years of ministry, people began to believe that Jesus was who he said he was or understand who Jesus was saying he was. Not necessarily believing it, but they knew who he was saying that he was. Now, many of the Jews, when they were expecting a Messiah, um, and it could also be because of prophecies like this, uh, they were expecting a Messiah who was a military Messiah. They were expecting someone to come in, overthrow the oppressive governments, which would have been the Romans, um, reestablish the Davidic throne, and rule, and reestablish Israel as a people, God's people, right? And that's what their hope was. That's what they wanted. So when they saw Jesus, that's what they were expecting. That's what they wanted. But fortunately for them, Jesus didn't fit that mold. Um, they wanted someone who was going to bring a sword and come in on a war horse. Yeah. But instead, Jesus came in on a donkey and he brought peace. And by coming in on a donkey, he was saying, I am the Messiah and I'm here to bring peace. If we look at Isaiah 9, 7, we read that it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. 
from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. At the time of Isaiah's prophecy, there was no justice. There was no righteousness for, Jude, for Israel and Judah. But now, as Isaiah writes, as Isaiah preaches to his people, he's saying that there will come a day when this prince, who's Jesus, will reign forever in justice and righteousness. And Jesus is going to be, bring justice and righteousness for one reason. He loves his people. So what makes Jesus the Prince of Peace, you ask? And I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much for being so inquisitive. Jesus brings peace by his justification. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Say justified through faith. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5.1. So what's justification? Justification is God declaring us righteous because of Christ's righteousness. Because of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection, we've been released from the penalty of sin and we've been brought into peace with our God. Yeah. And that's what makes Jesus the Prince of Peace. So, I'm going to invite Kyle up here one more time. Bring that microphone. So, remind everyone what you had to do to get this gift. I had to show up and make sure... I don't embarrass him. <laughs> and he did half of those things. So, you want to guess one more time what's inside this box? Still think it's nothing. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and open it. Hey, could we in the audience get a drum roll? Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Just keep that going. Yeah, just keep that going. Come on, Kyle. You're embarrassing me. You're hurting these people's thighs. Go ahead and drop it. Yes, drop it. Just drop it. Keep, well, keep going. It's not done yet. No, no, don't rip it. I need this for other... Okay, go. It's nothing. No, pull it out. Pull it out. What is it? Just tell everyone what it is. It's an Olive Garden card. How many Olive Gardens are on this island? Yeah, there are. There's none. Just kidding. It's an Amazon gift card. That was a Thank joke. Thank you very much. This is mine and my wife's from our wedding two years ago. Thank you for your cooperation. Thank you. Hey, we appreciate you, Kyle. Thanks, you. Yeah, thank Kyle. It's hard getting up here, right? It's hard. I have to retape that now. All right. <laughs> so, what's the point of all this? Why are your thighs sore now? <laughs> Kyle only had to wait a couple days to receive a gift that I promised him. There may have been anticipation. There may have been doubt. He may have thought I forgot about him. He may not have cared at all. But either way, Kyle had to wait. 
The gift was here for him to receive it. He didn't have to work for it in any way, shape, or form. There was simply one thing he needed to do, and that was receive it. If he didn't show up, the gift was still going to be here. It had already been bought. It had already been paid for. But he could not have laid claim to it unless he was told about it and he showed up to get it. And he did. So Kyle's going to get whatever he can get on Amazon, which is basically everything under the sun. But what if Kyle took that gift card, put it in his wallet, and never used it? What if he acted like he never received it? What if he went through his day-to-day as if none of this ever happened, but there it was in his pocket, and he just sat on it from day-to-day? Would it have any value? The illustration of an Amazon gift card is nothing compared to the promises of God. It's more of just a fun, goofy way to really stretch out a 25-minute sermon. (laughs) But Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah that God promised. From the time of this writing to the birth of Christ, it's well over 700 years. Some had to wait that long. 700 years. I'm willing to bet there was anticipation. There was doubt. Some didn't care. And some lost hope. But here we are, nearly 2,000 years after the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are living in the great reveal of God's promise. Amen? And we've been given a gift, a gift of a wonderful, everlasting, and mighty Savior. The gift of grace, the gift of new life. So let's receive it. Let's live in it. And let's find our absolute joy in God's absolute love. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for this time that we get to just be in the word, Lord. We ask that you would just write this word on our hearts and that if we could take anything away from here, God, it's just that we can find our joy in you because you absolutely love us, God. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you've given, and all that you are. In your name.